You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. If instead Putin doubles down, then so shall we, further ratcheting up economic pressure and supporting Ukraine with finance. Sanctions have to be as powerful as they can possibly be. We will be pushing the government to go further and faster. We could have a massive miscalculation and we will then be in a full-scale war across the globe. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Ewan Potts. And good afternoon, I'm Caroline Hepger. So in today's programme, we'll be joined by Labour MP Janet Davey and as the International Criminal Court investigates war crimes in Ukraine, we speak to Chile Obey Suji, a former president and judge at the ICC. While the siege of Mariupol has become a focal point in the war in Ukraine, Kiev has rejected a Russian ultimatum that its forces surrender in the southern port city, which has been under heavy bombardment. A large shopping centre on the outskirts of the capital was shelled overnight, reportedly killing at least six people. Well, here the health secretary, Sajid Javid, has been defending Boris Johnson. The prime minister was criticised over the weekend for comparing Ukraine's fight against Russia with the Brexit vote. Javid says that Johnson was just talking about self-determination. I don't think in any way he was connecting the situations in Ukraine and the UK. And if we want to know what the Prime Minister thinks about Ukraine and responding, I mean, we can see for ourselves in terms of the support that he's provided. And on the health front, the over-75s, care home residents and those with weakened immune systems can now book an extra COVID jab in England. It comes as figures show infection rates are rising in all parts of the UK. Well, joining us now to discuss the day in politics is Janet Davey, Labour MP for Lewisham East. Welcome to the programme, Janet. Thank you so much for being with us. Now, firstly, your constituent, Anoushe Ashuri, was released last week alongside Nazneen Zaghari Ratcliffe after Britain paid Iran a long-standing £400 million debt. Others, though, Janet, are still in detention. So although everybody in Britain was delighted that those two individuals were freed, was it right to bring them home and not other dual citizens who've been wrongly detained in Iran? Hi there, yes. Um, thank you for your question. I mean, I, I, I mean, I can't deny, obviously, uh, I'm absolutely thrilled that Anusha is on, on uh, is back home with his family and on British soil. The same with, with Nazanin. I think that's absolutely superb. It's been a long, hard campaign for several years, both from myself and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Nazanin's uh, MP as well, Tulip. So, I mean, this is uh, absolutely uh, brilliant for them. 
and I'm sure they're going to have lots of stories to tell. And it was absolutely right that the government returned to Iran the money that was already theirs. My issue with that is, is how long that took. And that could have prevented both um, Nazanin and Anoushe from being in prison for such a long time, which has stolen so many years of their lives. Now, it, the point you've raised is absolutely valid. Why isn't Morad and Avers back um, where they should be? in uh, the UK. And really, those answers only really lie with the Foreign Secretary for State. In those negotiations, in those conversations that she's had, how has she not been able to secure them to be able to return back to the UK as well? I want to talk about the uh, spring statement on Wednesday. Plenty of speculation that the government is going to spend uh, some money to ease the cost of living situation. What would your priorities be? What would Labour's priorities be uh, on on Wednesday? Well, absolutely. We are in a a cost of living crisis and the Chancellor really needs to make it clear that he is very aware of the challenges that face people at the moment. And what we very much need is is the VAT to be taken off um, domestic gas and electricity bills and the cancelling of the national insurance increase. It's, it's reported that uh, Labour's now changed its stance and will, and will back a, a cut in, in fuel duty. What, what happened to the party's commitment to the environment and to tackling climate change? So, so you're now calling for, for VAT to be cut on energy uh, and potentially for a cut to, to tax on, on petrol and diesels. This is, this, is, this is government money being spent to, to cut tax on fossil fuels. Yeah, I think what we're really seeing here is that, you know, um, gas prices and... Um, uh, electricity prices have increased since January and people are really in a situation where they've already experienced, you know, an increase in, in food prices. Uh, and we have to make sure that people don't dive into further poverty and also that, um, you know, the, the situation improves for people so that we don't hit in another recession. So we do need the government to, to be very real that they can manage that. But we also have a situation where... Um, People obviously are dependent on their vehicles and uh, we have to prevent, you know, fuel prices from going up too high. But obviously we we need to be less reliant on importing oil and gas. And we do need to look at other ways in which we can reduce our overall intake of of fossil fuels. And that's absolutely right, which is, again, why we really need to invest in, in our green agenda. So surely you support then Boris Johnson turning to nuclear, to wind energy, to ramp up alternative energy sources. The government's full energy security strategy expected to be published later this month. Pursuing all avenues a good thing? What we need to do is to make sure that we deal with the climate crisis and that we're looking at alternative ways to make sure that we're not relying on on fossil fuels. And if there are strategies that are being brought forward by the Prime Minister, by the government, that is a part of a, a green agenda and a real drive to move this forward really quickly, then yes, that is the right thing to do. But you're comfortable with cut, cutting taxes on fossil fuels in the meantime? Yes, yes. For, for, well, what we're, what we're asking for as Labour is for um, even 5% off fuel duty, and that will be about £2 of filling up uh, people's uh, car with petrol. That's what we're asking for. 
Okay, yeah. I mean, having said that, food oil prices, wholesale prices have dropped since the peak of the, the start of the invasion. But okay, let, so that uh, in terms of uh, fuel and energy independence. Um, I also want to raise an issue uh, that we talked about a lot on Bloomberg Radio, which is around the Metropolitan Police. Um, focused on tackling institutional racism over a, a long period of time. That's what the, the Met says that it wants to do. We've had a report condemning, though, a, the strip search of a 15-year-old black girl at school in East London. I mean, that surely suggests that the problem is is broad and deep, one could argue. How can the Met Police do better when it comes to London's diverse communities, in your view? So this this situation with this child is very disturbing. It's highly disturbing and it affects loads of people's, uh, you know, um, hearts really in terms of how they feel about this from all different backgrounds. And uh, that really just just really demonstrates how um, how there is something so drastically wrong within uh, with police officers and within the institution that this is deemed that they can do this there must be some level of acceptance and normality that makes this okay um, which is absolutely absurd Uh, but there's also an issue here with the school as well which is also an institution that we need to look at why was it acceptable that these teachers felt it uh, right to call police officers to the school to allow this and this to take place um, is, is, is beyond belief, quite truly. And uh, I think what really needs to happen is those individuals, those professionals, or call themselves professionals, they're actually ashamed to their profession, but those professionals, those people involved, need to uh, really uh, be, be sacked, be brought to account for this. And I think as more people are um, where they do have this misconduct within their, their work or whatever they're doing, if they are... If they are um, mm. Um, you know, penalised for what they are doing, then actually that will make everybody think twice about what's happening. But this is no, you know, the racism that is happening within institution, it's not just the police institution, it is quite deep-rooted. But I think when we get to the hearts and minds of the public about this should not be happening to any child and these abuses that happen to people because we're black should not be happening, then I think people will there'll be more of an uproar and then the government will need to take more stock and the government needs to be responding to this already. I just want to ask you about the local elections coming up in London and elsewhere in the country. What does Keir Starmer need to do to cement his position as as Labour leader? This is a key test for him, isn't it? How many seats does Labour need to gain uh, at the elections in May? These are local elections and um, I think Keir has already cemented his position. I think as a a Labour leader, he's already doing excellently in terms of holding uh, Boris to account, the government to account. And I think he's been outstanding in doing that. Um, These elections are very significant. Um, Obviously, as Labour, we're hoping to, to have more gains. Absolutely. Um, There is something that's been distracted from Boris's failures, shall I say, put it like that, in terms of of party gate. So what we need to do really is just um, do what we do best, and that's connecting to people locally. But in terms of in in Boris, there are great failures which the the government uh, has done in terms of wastage of of billions of pounds. And that really needs to to come out Mm. and really needs to be highlighted. And I think uh, those types of things where people will um, have to make those decisions, I'm hoping this will be more positive for us as as a Labour Party.
Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common... It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Now, let's have a look at what else is making news in the world of politics. And for that, we're joined by Bloomberg's James Wilcock in the studio. Good to have you, James. So it is uh, the week of the, well, the mini budget, the spring statement by Rishi Sunak. Over the weekend, uh, well-known consumer activist Martin Lewis talking about uh, the coming price rises being catastrophic for Britain's households. His email, weekly email, goes to millions of households. So, you know, he's one to watch. What do we expect from Sunak on Wednesday? Well, Caroline, you'll remember when Sunak first got his job, uh, it was untested territory. The country had faced a crisis in terms of prices it had never seen before. And an untested chancellor, only one month into the job, everyone thought maybe how would he deliver this budget back in 2020? Two years on, he must be getting quite bored of having the press coverage because now a large crisis, almost never before we've seen in most modern times energy prices for the UK, uh, going up, you know, energy prices set to go up in April. And there are questions from both his party and consumer activists, like you've said, like Martin Lewis, who has this massive reach, about quite what he can do. The options he has open to him are sort of like fuel duty, cutting tax on that. Uh, a lot of his backbenchers are in the Conservative Party are very keen on cutting the proposed levy on national insurance, which is a tax that's taken outside of your earnings uh, before they get given to you of about 1.25% to fund the NHS. Um, and they, the Conservative Party would see that as a sort of tax-saving measure that also sort of gives people more money. But then the Labour Party and activist groups are talking about, say, increasing benefits. Mm. Sunak himself uh, has said that he wants to try and help people in the most acute areas, the people who would be feeling the, mo- the biggest pinch. So that's where he's trying to sort of, uh, sort of see the savings. Because, for example, he has always ideologically wanted to keep the government in a healthy deficit, healthy uh, balanced budget. So we'll be waiting to see that come Wednesday. Now, this uh, weekend saw the uh, Conservative Party's spring conference. I think even in a, a quiet a quiet year, this would not doesn't catch a lot of headlines outside of the world of politics. Uh, but uh, particularly at the moment, other things are keeping people occupied. The headlines 
have not been great, have they, for Boris Johnson on this? I mean, Ewan, it wouldn't be Prime Minister Boris Johnson if he didn't know how to catch a headline. Uh, and this isn't the first controversial speech he has said. Now, I, he compared, just for our listeners who may not have caught it, uh, people fighting for freedom in Ukraine to the UK's fight for freedom from the EU in Brexit. And... In that, it is interesting that this Conservative Party Springs Conference was supposed to be a chance for the Conservative Party to regroup. And before the war, which is this Thursday will have been going for one month, this could have been seen as a key landmark point as whether Johnson's leadership will still be going over Partygate. So it's worth just looking at how that has changed as a result of this war. Partygate is now in the back seat. It may come back again later this year, but so far we haven't even been mentioning it. COVID, another sort of big landmark for Johnson, has basically disappeared from the radar. Uh, and just today, there's talk in the SNP that Indyref, the sort of mm. the idea that Scotland had to go independent, may be postponed. But then on the other hand, this energy crisis and cost of living crisis, already an issue for Johnson before the war, has been exacerbated beyond belief. And the other side of it is Johnson's big project, the one he referenced there with Brexit, is being put into question. How far does the UK have a large stance on the international stage? How far is its foreign policy standing? Now, today, Johnson will be speaking to Biden, along with other EU leaders in Italy, Germany and France. And on Thursday, I'll be meeting them for NATO. So these two new hurdles that have been thrown up by the war, the cost of living crisis and the foreign policy issue, are both something that will be coming up this week, regardless of the sort of the bonuses that the, uh, the war in Ukraine has put Johnson in a better standing. Yeah, quite staggering challenges for, you know, just one prime minister to deal with. Thank you so much, Bloomberg's James Wilcock, with news from the world of politics. Thank you. Well, we're going to stay on the war in Ukraine. Uh, President Joe Biden labelled Vladimir Putin a war criminal after news emerged last week that the theatre sheltering hundreds of civilians in the Ukrainian city of Mariupol had been levelled. But what is the definition of a war crime and who determines if it's been met? And if so, how the perpetrator should be punished? Well, joining us now is Chile Ibuje Osuji, who until last year was president of the International Criminal Court. Now, uh, Chile, thanks so much for joining us on Bloomberg Westminster. The the ICC has uh, launched an investigation uh, into uh, Moscow's uh, actions in Ukraine. Just talk us through uh, the, the process and, and, and how you go about gathering evidence. Well, this is the office of the prosecutor who is now in charge of it at this stage and will go about looking for evidence of war crimes. And um, at the end of it, he will make a determination as to whether there will be charges to be brought. And by war crimes here, we are talking about um, crimes that are committed in the war as fought, and not just the war as such. The war as fought, meaning those who are engaged in what you may see or perceive as a war of aggression, uh, what they do while fighting that war uh, would uh, raise questions of whether war crimes have been committed. But not only what uh, the those who are engaged in the onslaught do, but as well those who are engaged in self-defense can also commit war crimes. So that's why I say the war has fought. Yeah, we the images of... Um, civilian buildings um, being pummeled and uh, raised um, to the ground as such, stories of civilians being attacked. Of course, that's one side of the story. Um, 
there are all, mm. there's also another side to it. Um, uh, those buildings we see being pummeled, uh, civilians or rather soldiers shooting from there, uh, civilians being used as human shields. So those are questions that will be investigated uh, in the round okay. by the prosecutor. So that's what we will call, you know, war crimes. Those sorts of things. Civilian um, captured soldiers um, are they being treated, um, you know, humanely? Wounded soldiers. This time, okay. I mean, both Russian and Ukrainian forces. Um, uh, things like that. And the, the international law requires them to be treated humanely. So those are questions both sides of the conflict would have to to, to answer. But that's okay. different from the crime of aggression, by the way. Yes. Zelensky, for example, has called it genocide. Um, clearly everyone acknowledges that a war is ongoing, that deaths are happening now. So could you understand perhaps the scepticism when the war is happening and deaths are occurring but not being prevented and yet... Information gathering is kind of the thrust of the ICC. There is some scepticism around, you know, the point of international courts. What would you respond to that? There should be no scepticism at all about the point of international courts. That's what mistake people make. You know, whenever a crime is committed at international level, people will throw scepticism about the international court. The same um, questions don't ask, don't get asked when crimes are committed at the national level. We don't start raising skepticism about national criminal courts. Be that as it may, you mentioned the um, uh, matter of uh, genocide. It is a term that has come in from both mm. sides. You'll recall Mr. Putin said it's on there to denazify the place because um, genocide was being committed against the Russian ethnics in Ukraine. And then you also have the Ukrainians say the same thing. Now, the um, genocide is uh, something that uh, it tends to, well, I don't want to say it tends to, but people commit them in the context of armed conflict. And the, the, the World War II, we know the, um, the Holocaust happened then. In Rwanda, genocide um, was committed in the the context of the Rwandan civil war. So when you have a war, uh, people expect killings to happen. Then it's under the cover of war that people tend to commit genocide. But now the prosecutor is now engaged in Ukraine in investigation, and he will surely investigate both the allegations of Mr. Putin, the genocide has been committed against Russians, as well as the allegations of Mr. Zelensky. Chile, neither, uh, neither, neither Ukraine nor Russia are, are signed up to the International Criminal Court. How, how much of a problem is that if we want to pursue uh, potential war crimes? Not a problem now for what happens in Ukraine in the context of war crimes. Again, remember here, we're not talking yet about aggression. If you want to ask that question, we'll talk about it later. But relating to war crimes, as I described earlier, the war has fought on the Ukrainian territory. That's no longer a problem because although Ukraine's not a state party to the Rome Statute of Member State, the um, um, ICC treaty allows also for a country in that situation to recognize the jurisdiction 
of the court. So Ukraine has done that. Ukraine, having now declared recognition of the jurisdiction of the court, now allows the courts to operate in the territory of Ukraine. Additionally, uh, 39 uh, member states of the ICC have also referred the, um, the situation in Ukraine to the ICC. So that now solved the problem of investigating um, and prosecuting crimes that happen, war crimes, crimes against humanity and genocide, mm. where um, there's evidence of those that happened on the territory of Ukraine. Where the problem is, is on the angle of the crime of aggression, which I defined earlier as the war as such. In other words, the person that, or the party, the country that launched the attack without um, justification of self-defense, they are now engaged mm. in a war of aggression. Yes. That part, uh, the ICC cannot um, have jurisdiction um, practically. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.